Um, guys, I got. I'm gonna go wash my hands because they're cold. I'm gonna jumpstart the circulation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna let mine just be cold. I like the cold and clammy, just like it's a good combo. creepy old lady hands that I I know I'm gonna have in another twenty years. Yep. Um, Django, <laughs> thanks for going to that concert with me last night. Yeah, that was fun. Um, but check this out. Check this out. I had like first kind of gotten introduced to this band from this YouTube video I had seen of like a 20 minute performance of theirs. And so when I was talking to him, I was like, yeah, man, like, uh, I'm so pumped you guys came through town. Uh, you know, I'm like, <clears throat> I've been following you guys for like nine years since that tiny desk concert came out. He's like, oh, awesome. And then I wrote <clears throat> them an email when I got home and I mentioned the tiny desk concert. And today I realized it wasn't a tiny desk concert. It was a KEXP performance. <laughs> And that's probably something that nobody would worry about. But I spent like 45 minutes being like, I'm such an idiot. God, they fucking know I'm such an They're probably like, who the fuck is this idiot? Well, listen, I asked uh, uh, an industry podcaster to have us on their show. Nice. And I told them uh, that I really liked the, the Brian Garside chat that they had a few days ago and dropped a couple of names of, of people that he'd recently interviewed. And he's like... I don't know those people. I think you're thinking about another podcast. Yeah, were you? <laughs> yeah I absolutely was. So, That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I got pretty good. Uh, I got off panel and Dan Shahane's podcast confused. As long as we're talking about those type of moments, um, <laughs> at the museum, God, a few months ago, I was talking to um, Preston Singletary, this this pretty well known glass artist, hmm. and he's indigenous. Mm-mm. And so we were talking and I was trying to, he was killing time waiting for like the curator to show up. <clears> so I was trying to help fill time and we're talking and I brought up Lummy, him being from Lummy or something, you know, I think twice. And he's not from Lummy. <laughs> I was thinking, of, I was thinking another glass artist from Lummy. That's not as famous. And I realized that halfway through our conversation and he of course didn't acknowledge it in any way, but I was like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks okay. I'm just well, some stupid white guy that can't, you know. Thanks for, thanks for normalizing all of this for me, buddies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Please presents a perfectly acceptable Whoa. podcast episode 300 the 300th huh. episode Django says go what? up i don't know if he's saying like good work or if you should come up jeff oh i was i thought that we were doing 304 or something no we've got all these emails 300. for 300 oh nice and i mean like hardly any comics to talk about that's great yeah, and it's a small week so cool. yeah i think it all works out uh, not a lot of fanfare on our end. It's just the 300th episode. I do want to do a big bracketed thing at some point, uh, as per Judd Morse's suggestion, but that's not going to be this week. And if you're hearing somebody making excuses, that means you're listening to Jeff and Django. Oh, and Colette. And oh. Roman. I'm sorry, Roman. If Roman you hear someone apologizing, standing. that's Colette. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you see, hear somebody not apologizing, that's Django. That's just me using finger guns. Oh, ju 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 ju! It's Comic Place Podcast. It's Comic Podcast in the Pacific Northwest Cradle of Civilization, Bellingham, Washington. <laughs> we love it. Colette's gesticulating at her list of comics. I don't know what it means, but we're gonna be jazzing it 
up when we do this episode. <laughs> okay. So. I was like, didn't we not pick out comics? Oh, no. We yet? haven't been picking out comics for a while. Um, but you know Clit's going to talk about The Last Barbarian. because She's nothing if not a barbarian <laughs> lady. But before we get into this, oh, we're going to start this episode the way we like to start all of our favorite episodes. By talking about what happened to Amanda Bynes. What happened to her? She had to have <laughs> lost her mind. No, that's not what we do. That was a joke. I'm uh, stalling for some time while I uh, get up an email here. All right, check this out. Here's our first email for our 300th episode from our good friend, William William Elmer. Hello and happy episode 300. You guys did it. I'm super proud of you. Uh, and frankly, I'm a little impressed actually a lot impressed that you've been recording this podcast for 30 years that's insane <laughs> i bet thinking about all those memories from all those years of recording and reading comics fills you with just a warm fuzzy sense of nostalgia that's what comic books do to me they fill me with a warm sense of nostalgia but you know after listening to you guys for all these years record this podcast i still feel like i i don't really know you that well mm. so i was kind of curious if you guys could share something else from your life besides comics that fills you with that same warm, fuzzy sense of nostalgia of youth and long lost childhood memories um, that you would like to share with us. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Keep on recording. Let's go another 30 years. <laughs> Catfish, po' boy, dress, no mayo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cereal for me, generally sugary cereals. I like to eat as many new cereal flavors as I can and write reviews for them and distribute to them to a, a select number of people. I just did strawberry milkshake frosted flakes last night. It's got to be one of you two. Um, I'm <laughs> I, I never I, want to interrupt Roman, huh? What I never you want just to interrupt did. Roman, and I know, like, <laughs> and I just, yeah. Oh. See, I've always been kind of quiet, and so whenever yeah. I, I, I get interrupted a lot, it always reminds me of childhood, actually. Yeah, nostalgia, <laughs> kind of warm, warm and fuzzy. I wish it was yeah. the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I so I did. Now, actually, something that makes me nostalgic. Um, I love pigeons. My dad had racing pigeons when he was a when I was a kid, and him and the neighbor built a pigeon coop, and I'd go out with dad, and they'd rele he'd release the pigeons, and they'd always, you know, beat us back home since they're flying um and he used to compete run trophies so i have a real fondness for pigeons star trek next generation nice. watching that preferably coming in 10 to 15 minutes into the episode because you know <laughs> just flipping channels of that oh cool this one's on that's that was the first thing that came to mind for me there I mean, is a wonderful sort of feeling that comes with watching things that you remember like coming into 15 minutes late like there's like a weird security of like oh this is a long show and i can kind of dip in here yeah that makes me comfortable i'm like i could even fall asleep if i wanted to there's those <laughs> movies that like i know i've seen the whole thing many times through but i've never sat down and watched from beginning to end because mm -hmm. they're just always on tv <laughs> yeah. or you'd go over to someone's house like i've never watched wayne's world <laughs> from beginning to end but i've seen that movie a thousand times like, <laughs> anytime you want buddy i've been uh thanks to our friend and and partner in many things ron warner i've been working on a full collection of the little muscles action figures little <laughs> pink guys uh he's been buying them to collect himself and he's been getting them the extras to me so i'm about to have 140 out of about 200 of them and that hits me right in the nostalgia dick 
uh <laughs> transitioning to comics from that watch the segue uh nick patera just made a whole bunch of custom ones for his axe wielder john book there's a whole bunch of like axe wielder john muscle characters that you can get i don't know if it's a kickstarter thing i do i kind of feel like we did kickstart that but maybe we didn't um i can't remember i i forgot to kickstart something lately and okay. i'm that uh, well, continuing that sweet, sweet mechanical segue and nostalgia things. I got a book that I don't think Django read. Well, actually, Ooh. maybe he did. Um, did we all read Fantastic Four number four this week? Sure did, Chatterhound. Nice. Yes. Ooh. Uh, this is continuing Ryan North's series with art by Ibon Coelho. And this is the one that we kind of get the explanation for why everybody's been on these separate journeys up until this point. Not that it, I don't know. I don't know that we needed to start with everybody separated for three issues and then coming together. But I think this was my favorite comic of the week this week, buddies. This was like it was really good. Pure Fantastic Four distilled mm-hmm. down for me. Just like the love of the family, the camaraderie, the understanding, the fun, like science adventure there. Uh, the art was great for the most part. It's not like my favorite style, but I think it served the book really, really well, especially like the destruction of New York scenes and, and being engulfed in flames and everything. And it's got like everybody's powers uh, used to an advantage and a disadvantage. Awesome science from Reed. And I get this feeling when I read really good Fantastic Four that I'm like, ah, I'm excited to talk to Roman about this because I just associate good Fantastic Four with Roman. Uh, so Roman, what'd you think about this? I didn't like it, guys. I just wish that I could get my royalties from the old issues I did. I know, buddy. Um, <laughs> they, you got an Marvel, even shorter man. end Marvel. of the stick than Jack Kirby did. Yeah, yeah. Freaking Marvel. Um, has an idea as my Aunt Fanny. <laughs> um, no, I really I really liked it. And I had the same thing. I mean, I'm not thrilled with the art, but, you know, it's okay. But, yeah, all the good points in this were so good. Um, and I love the fact that the one thing I do like with this artist, and I don't know if it's in the script or well, it's got to be in the script, that Reed is uh, uses his powers to do more plastic manny type things. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've been doing that consistently, like when he's got eyeballs on his fingertips going yeah. into things and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Usually Reed has always just been kind of stretchy and inflaty, but he doesn't do like the crazy stuff. But lately, he's been doing a lot of crazy stuff in this run. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is interesting. Um, and I think it's just like very exciting to be reading a Fantastic Four book that I think capitalizes on the things that make Fantastic Four great, like scientific, fun, fantastical adventures. And at the core of that, this family unit that uh, loves each other. And I love the conceit in this of why Ben is pissed, because they Reed had to basically remove an entire city block and everyone that was in it from time and space and they will reappear one year from that exact moment in that exact same space. But it means that they, none of the kids are there like, you know, the thing and Alicia's kids or the fantastic fours kids, which opens up an awesome window to tell stories without those elements in it, which are wonderful, but maybe sometimes you want to go back to kind of a retro feel. Yeah. And at first when they first got to that dialogue, I was at my initial thing. I was a little worried. I was like, "Come on, they just did this at DC with John Kent and all that." But they did it differently here, where the people that come back in a year they don't have any sense of time passing. So yeah, time, t- time is rel- yeah, time is relative. So, but everybody that's left in New York, Ben and Alicia and everybody, they're going to experience that year without their 
their loved ones. Like um, a super mini version of the blip from the Marvel universe. Yeah. The cinematic universe. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just a block wide blip. Uh, Colette, what did you think of this? And have you been reading the Fantastic Four? I have not. This was um, absolutely the best issue I could have randomly dropped in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Since it basically <clears throat> explains all the questions, apparently, from the last three. Um, yeah, I've never really read much Fantastic Four. I've met two. I uh, I have two uh, big Hickman omnibuses uh, sitting on my bookshelf waiting for me to have some free time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, Hilo's got only like... 14 more years so he goes to college right yeah yeah i mean you know once you whatever i don't want to think about it but um <laughs> uh yeah i liked this i i um i like the thing some of the few things that i've ever read have, have happened to be thing focused stories and i've i just i like him I you do it. love a thing i do i do love a thing but i also love this thing um i like big hard things uh, <laughs> I know. Which are no one on this podcast. <laughs> yep. Uh, listen, it's three. It's episode three hundred. I'm just not yeah. back. Um, Thirty years, guys. Because I have been years. before. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying or doing anymore. Um, this was fun. <laughs> I liked it. I uh, I got real the moment that he started. Reed started explaining what he did. I was just like, oh, but but the children, but the. And then what about the other people? But I liked how they actually like dealt with the outrage and the um of the community and all the frustration around that, but leading into the recognizing that Reed actually does feel the pain of these things, no matter how stoically he or mm-hmm. like how logically he gets to these conclusions of what has to be done, he actually does feel the consequences. He and just like, knows how to keep going. He's Django. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Django's like, it's coming, it's coming. Um, and it's like really, I love the idea of this one because yeah, basically like you both said, like the kids are gone for a year. It's not that they're going to be missing any times of their children's lives. I guess they're going to die <clears throat> a, a year earlier than they would have. But it's mm-hmm. like, what if Hilo was going to just be gone for a year and then come back exactly the same and you had just like a year vacation? Mm-hmm. yeah but also then the i mean like a year vacation but also then as a year when i'm older right. and more tired yeah. that he's st- but also yeah. the like the loss of shared experience yeah of time the loss of like he he would be then separated a year from all of his friends that he's managed to make in school like all these kids are getting yeah. um and think about like I, if there was a TV show you were all watching together, you'd have to make the decision: Am I not going to watch this show for this season so I can watch <laughs> it with my kids, or do I watch it and then I'll have to rewatch it all with them because they will have missed it? That's I, the answer. Th- that is spoken yeah. by someone who does not have children and doesn't know that no matter if you watch it or not right now, you're going to see it fifty more times with your kids. You head start on. on the nappy one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I liked how it kind of like it being a little like blip microcosm. You kind of like were able to just kind of know what the the spider effect consequences would be since they've covered that all in the the MCU without them having to really go into. I was thinking it, like, but... how do they protect this city block so that nothing moves so that when it blips back, it's par- perfectly in space or whatever. It's like okay, mm-hmm. nobody touch anything and hopefully this giant crater will be exactly filled although we all know that 
the planets don't stationarily orbit around the sun. The sun is being propelled horizontally and then we're rotating around that in this crazy way. Well, so this actually isn't that, doesn't work. Isn't that exactly what Reed said? I thought he was saying that like he, in the he, years... worked, he worked out the math projecting all that. He's Reed Richards, of course. Yeah, so he used, yeah. he used where we are as a zero point. Yeah, it, it seemed like and then in a year, it would be back in that spot because a year from now, the Earth would be in the same spot that it was. Yeah, and the sun will be in a new place, too. But that would have to be assuming a lot because you're in the Marvel Universe. So what happens if, like, the Beyonder or Galactus comes along and, like, knocks the Earth off its or rotation? physics for... <laughs> keep working the way that they do, and that wouldn't work. It's only well, issue the four. Yeah. How does someone that smart who can calculate that not know that maybe they shouldn't put their eyeball physically onto the parasitic dude uh creature that i awesome. love the body horror of reed and stuff yeah. lately like when when he does he did something really gross in like issue two right yeah he, he he like sent body parts in places you wouldn't expect yeah but i i really dig that yeah i'm down with it you don't just squish your eyeball onto the parasite though you <laughs> yeah, know you look real disgusting. close what Maybe yeah, he's got gotta... some kind of unstable <clears throat> molecule contact lens shield over his eye. No contact <laughs> lens. Mm, that's a funny joke, Django. That, that's amazing. I, I, Colette, I, I don't know how it didn't occur to me, but I didn't even connect any of this with the blip. Yeah. Cause I, cause I was so surprised. I was like, well, what? Cause it hadn't occurred to me. Like, what about kids whose parents just disappeared for a year? How... I know those kids sitting at yeah. the table made me so sad. Yeah. Yeah. How are they going to make rent? They're not. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. I'm interested in scores, everybody. This was my highest score of the week. I gave it a 9.5. I love crawling into the warm blanket of good, fantastic four comics. I'll I'll give... I liked it too. I gave it an 8.5. Sorry, Roman. I also like, I'll give it a 9.4 because it's fantastic four. Ah, <laughs> Number four. That. I gave it an eight, and that's probably because I haven't read anything up to it. I really enjoyed the mystery leading up to this, actually, because it yeah. was all it was like separate little Twilight Zone episodes with no real explanation of why they weren't together. Yeah. And it made you it, I think it pulled people to the re, like the realization <clears throat> rather than if it had just started with this happening, people maybe would have dropped off after issue two or something. But, mm -hmm. you know, and then if you make it four issues in, you're probably gonna make it six. Yeah, um, I've got a 300th email, a 300th episode email from our wonderful friend, Brian Garside. Bigar. Oh. Bigar. Hello, friends. Hi. I have never met. Congrats on 300 big episodes. I bet you smell terrific. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am so <laughs> excited to actually meet y'all in person in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be super cool. It's going to be super cool to finally see your human meat suits. Speaking yeah. of your 300 episodes, that represents nearly six years of show. In that six years, what would you say is the biggest change to the comics industry you've per personally witnessed? Love the show, fellas and lady. Can't wait for the epic high fives. Biggest shift in the comic industry. I mean, so I my brain immediately thinks like from the prospect, like the perspective of running a store or like within the storytelling of comics, because I would say the clear one is just the change from everything coming from Diamond mm -hmm. to being three large distributors that we order and receive from within yeah. comics. You know, I think we've moved more heavily towards uh, short runs of things where the run of a story is dictated by 
early numbers sales and issues. Like I think that we're mm-hmm. at a spot where we've got more short things being told rather than long form stories. And I think the idea of an overarching uh, continuity is a lot slushier than it was six years ago. Yeah. You know, like DC and Marvel and even Archie. Archie was kind of dabbling in that about six years ago. And and now it's like all bets are off as far as continuity goes. What do you guys think? What Someone's you wearing said. a bowler hat and it's great. <laughs> it's not a bowler. What is it? <clears throat> I have a bowler here somewhere. What is it? It's a, it's a children's trilby. Yeah, it's, it's a trilby. A dad hat. Oh, okay, okay. A trilby. A dad hat. Damn it. That's why I never wear it. <laughs> uh, if you guys need a minute to to stall and, and come up with something, I just want to plan with Jeff for a minute how we're going to yeah. make our handshakes really weird with Brian, like lamp <gasps> or damp or oh. too hot. Like, can we get some of those hand warmers and just like steam his hands when we shake him? I think it would be really fun for me to just use my hands like they normally are and give them a very cold, wet handshake because <laughs> that's just where my circulation defaults. But I might go extra limp, just yeah. like, like, can you hold this feather hand for me, Brian? <laughs> well, that's your secret. You're always cold and wet. Yeah. Can one of you give him an uncomfortably long hug for me? I got you. Okay, good. I mean, just hold it for team. like. Yeah. <laughs> a count longer than should be appropriate okay. and then go like four counts longer than that. I'm excited because And then wait a second and then let go. <clears throat> you know, he knows Django better, but I don't think Django's gonna give a hug and I'm gonna give a hug. <laughs> but then I'm gonna give that hug, that hybrid hug of like yeah. two and a half counts longer. Just as <laughs> as you count, just say that part was from me. This part's from Django. This is from and Colette. this is the Colette frosting. <laughs> The Colette finish. <laughs> Any other uh, things you guys think have changed? I, I mean, mean, there's I more think... covers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think in the actual comics, there's been, I've seen much more of an embracing of the very mature content, not in like uh, blood and sexiness thing, but just like the expression of what it is to just be a human adult functioning in life mm-hmm. stories and, and like mm-hmm. the long form mini series uh uh examining that kind of stuff and and how much more that that like those have existed for a long time but how much more they're permeating all sides of the genres or all different genres yeah. within um it was kind of the most notable and then how that then has trickled into the the ongoing series and everything that's um all right where do you guys want to head next let's head to swamp thing green hell did you okay, guys read that okay you bet did i you did you read it all right nope you didn't roman i haven't no. read number one i brought it home but nice. I, I didn't roman why didn't you read it um, because it's been so long since the first issue, I don't remember anything about it. So I just, and it ticked me off. It's been so long. I actually didn't read it. It was, it was almost a year to the day. Yeah. Yeah. In the first issue, it's like next issue is out February, 2022. And I was like, that's funny. It's February, 2023 now. And at the end of this issue, it says issue three, March, 2023. And I was like, ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I bet. laughs> yeah. I'd be um, curious to find out what the delay was on this because that is pretty drastic yeah sorry did you say you had read this no i have not okay 
Um, well, Django, I yeah, I when it came in, I similarly was like, man, I don't even remember at all what happened in the first episode. And Django was like, I don't know. It's like the end of the world. There's a lighthouse. John Constantine is in it. He's like, I, I got a Constantine radar. That's all you need to know. And I was like, <clears throat> OK, but I did bring a copy of issue number one home and flipped through it. And I remembered that like the big thing is that society is in the far future and like all that's left of humanity is living on this small island. So mm-hmm. the green, the red and the rot decide that they want to restart humanity so that they all have some you know something to consume and prey on so the green raises an avatar to destroy them all and con this starts with constantine teen um teen constantine teen uh, teen time uh like <laughs> break pulling swamp thing from wherever he was this ethereal realm with uh abby and his daughter and you know swamp thing has to become the defender of humanity and stuff and Um, and he loses his ability to regenerate so he's 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 doing sudden death now which he's never had to deal with before he's in his last life that said i i liked this i think more than the first one Mm -hmm. and we like the first one pretty well too yeah i like this one a lot the art is great i don't know Mm -hmm. that doug monkey's art necessarily benefits from being blown up a little bit like this I got the feeling literally just thinking that. Yeah, I don't think he drew it bigger. Yeah, I don't think so either. So in that regard, I don't necessarily know that the format of this black label thing is being super utilized to the fullest. Um, That said, it is gorgeous and really well written. And I always have a hard time caring about Swamp Thing because I've never finished the Alan Moore run. Uh, And this one has made me like it gives you a very... it seems like they're swinging for the fences. Like we want to tell a Swamp Thing story on the scale of the Alan Moore one. Yeah. So yeah, I, I liked the, it a lot. Who's the creative team on this? Jeff Lemire and Doug Bonkey with David Barron on colors. Yeah. Um, and I but, and it, Roman, it's got Dead Man in it for a minute. Yeah, Dead oh, Man wow. shows. I love up. Boston Brand. Yeah, yeah, he's upside down and stuff. It's super cool. And and, <laughs> and the reveal on the last page. I don't know if that landed for you, Jeff, but it did. I, I, I had knew to think it, about it a little bit. Yeah, I knew it like two pages before. I was like, oh, this is gonna be f- rad. I didn't um, know. I didn't see it coming. <clears throat> but when it she was revealed, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because that's the daughter yeah. from that that run, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, spoiler alert. It's Animal Man's daughter. Yeah, and we also see his run. wife. A little bit before that oh from uh from grant morrison's run oh really nice i haven't yeah, finished yeah. that one either but yeah there is we we have we see her his daughter and stuff in the lemire run as well so yeah. it was like okay cool that makes sense that that uh he would be tying he's, back to his own animal man run he's doing his bit. dark knight returns here yeah um yeah I, I thought it was great i really like this version of constantine i like uh i like you i've i don't think i've ever read any of the alan moore swamp thing um and i've never really gotten into swamp thing but i think that this is this is interesting partly because he's vulnerable now and uh, doesn't just regenerate um but yeah i i'm glad this is back and i hope that they actually do put it out in march of 2023 yeah i hope so because i i did really like it roman i think that you would really like it i probably would i i think i didn't bring it home mainly because I don't think we have any copies of the first issue. At least I couldn't find any. We don't. I found one upstairs. So I grabbed that and took it and read it. Um, Nice. Yeah. Which is Um, nice. But I gave it a nine, Django. And it pulled me right through. I was like, this is a big book. This is a big, big book. And I got right through it. Yeah, give it an eight and a half. Really, really good stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for the next one. Yeah. 
Colette, why don't you start knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door with a book of your choosing? Oh my gosh. Book of my choosing. Uh, that like maybe other people have read or that doesn't I doesn't matter. Talk about doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Right. Right. It's the barbarian one. It's um, the last barbarian. God. You want to hear about the books I didn't like this week, you guys? You guys, I have uh, for some reason read The Last Barbarians number one. <laughs> Tell one. me about that. I, I took it home and I read it and I like stopped halfway through because I was tired. And for some reason, I finished it the next day. Oh, man. That's um, work dedication right there. That's, um, you know, it's a, it's a fantasy realm with, that you don't really know is fantasy other than that there's like whales flying in the air at one yeah. point randomly. Cool. Uh, and the whole premise is uh, no one's allowed to um, uh, have more than one trade you have to specialize otherwise you're a barbarian so Jer- so Django and I are clearly like j- the most barbaric people around because neither of us can sit still and do one thing ever I worked in a movie theater and a comic store I play music and read comics <laughs> yeah. I mean I know we all I just mean the you know, <clears throat> no I just mean Django, I don't want to yeah. be a barbarian <laughs> bummer dude um, sell your guitars but I'll like sell my comics <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's a it's a shadow line book, you guys. Was the Haberline involved? Uh, oh yeah, baby? who did it? Yeah, Brian Haberline. Is it a Haberline? Uh, mm-hmm. I love Brian Haberline. And Sarah Van Dyke. Uh, and on the whole the art, Haberline of comics. Which uh, the... looks kind of like a sad Gene Ha. Yeah, it, it had Gene Ha looks to me too. Um, uh, but a little, a little more wire framed as ashton said when he looked through yeah it. Oh. yeah it very much there's pages where it's like okay well they they drew the character once and then they moved the eyebrows mm-hmm. for the next panel to make her look angry and then <laughs> and then they dropped her eyelids a little bit to make her i don't know it full disclosure like, that's how i would draw if i drew yeah yeah <laughs> um it's not bad but it's you know it's fine it's what are you giving fine. i don't it's like a six. Don't nice. don't make me grade this comic. Nice. Six. <laughs> oh, it's it's uh committed to the website now. No. no. Yeah, it's like a six. The, okay. The, the the redeeming factor is there is a little. It's I mean, it's I can't spider see base, it, Colette. which is gross. I'm holding it up. Colette, I can't. It's, oh, there it is. It's a little tiny spider jackalope hybrid. Mmm. God. I like. I've never liked a spider, but you put a, a jackalopey skull on it. That's a barbarian. Uh, yeah, you know, because it's a spider know, and a jackalope. Trades, yeah, it's kind of cute. Um, yeah, yeah. still. Special. I read yeah. that. I read that, you guys. I don't know why I read <laughs> what, that. But what I else read did it. you not like and want? <laughs> um, <laughs> want to share? I read Betty the Final How Girl from Archie Horror. This was. Um, I actually I was that. interested in that. Roman, uh, you read it? Okay, cool. No. Oh yeah, I read it. Get a little, yeah. little let's okay. watch your twosome here, guys. Um, you know, it's a little anthology, but it's a uh, very um. You know, one of the stories was kind of fun, and and some of them were like, "Did I miss a page?" That's mm. supposed. To, that's, <laughs> did oh nope nope we just made that jump. Wait, that makes no sense. Um, yeah, yeah. No, you think that, that's. Yeah. I was disappointed because I you know because of the cover and the other cool, Archie horror verse titles. Uh-huh. I was expecting more out of this and. Yeah, like Colette said, it was one of the stories was pretty cool. Um, and the other ones, yeah, I had the same experience where it's like, I, did I 
two pages. Did I skip two pages? Nope, nope. It's just bad transitions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like supposed <laughs> to be good jump scares in it for Ooh. you, but they kind of miss all the the beats in between that would lead you to actually being scared and not just like, wait, what just happened? Huh? Um, but the first yeah. story is a there's like a serial killer targeting girls with for Valentine's Day and um, uh, and the girl that they're going after uh, uh, has watched or listened to a lot of true crime podcasts and um, ends up like uh, totally eviscerating the the guy that's going after her trying to kill her and um because she has listened to so many true crime podcasts and watched so many shows and i thought that was cute so it's a little only murders in the building a little hack slash a little betty veronica wow django you just made a try a little art school project (laughs) (laughs) which makes sense because isn't the first isn't that story written by tim tim seeley didn't he do hack slash? Mm. Mm-hmm. He did oh, do did hack slash. He also did the first story in DC Lazarus Planet this week. Oh uh, yeah. I always think that his yeah. name should be Casey the name like, should be the name of Gailey. a Robin. Tim Seeley. Yeah, that'd be a, a good, good Robin, Robin name. name. Yeah. Boy, I was really, uh, I was, I was oh. really di- disappointed with the uh, Josie and the Pussycat story. Because I was thinking, you put Josie and the Pussycats in a horror story, that's going to be cool. And, you know, it just, just like you, like you said, it just missed all the beats. No, mm-hmm. no drumming, um, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what do you guys like? Got other things to say about it? You got a score? Or you, uh, it's a four. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Dang, welcome dude. to episode 300 where we get honest. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's a four. Holy wow. cow. The cover's probably the lowest the, score I've the, ever given. The, the, the co- yeah, the cover's cool. That's about the best thing about the issue. We'll have to ask Andrew, but that might be like in, in, in the lowest five scores ever given on this podcast. Really? It's definitely I think, low. I think I gave something a two once. Yeah, oh, I gave Garfield a 0.5, I think. Grumpy you know, cat. Garfield I remember you giving a um uh, an issue of Venom, Django, a I wished I could have afforded or we had a spare copy on the shelf for me to rip it on the <laughs> oh. on the episode Dang. years ago. I blocked that uh, out. Must yeah. have been in the first 15 or so. 15 years. You didn't actually rip it, but that was I don't score. believe that. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, there you I go. you're welcome. To, uh, I want to I want to. I want to rock. I want to rock. Uh, Roman, you 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 take us somewhere, baby. Uh, I know you're not writing your scores anymore, but uh, does anything jump out? You know, this here Masters of the Universe Masterverse Uh-oh. number one. <laughs> it was actually a lot of fun, and actually, yeah, I was wrong that last title. I don't think Tim Seeley wrote any of the things in the Betty special, but he did write one of the stories in this master's universe. <laughs> and he did write one of the stories in DC Lazarus planet. Um, this master's universe. The old he man doing pretty good. And, you know, I picked this up out of nostalgia and right away on the first page, there's uh, the sorceress who, when I was a kid, I had a big mm-hmm. old crush on the sorceress, mm-hmm. um, that feathered cloak, just like Freya. Um, this was a lot of fun. Cause the, Moving the frame, along. The framing device is that. <laughs> oh, let me tell you about Freya just for that. Um, <laughs> the framing device for this is that um, 
oh, the sorceress is telling one of these other Zodak, one of these other He-Man characters, showing him the different um, realities. They're doing the multiverse thing. She's showing him different Prince Adam, He-Man things in the, throughout the multiverse to help him judge if Prince Adam is like worth being a hero or whatever. So it's a lot of fun. The first story, the art is by Kelly Jones, and it really reminded me all these minor He-Man characters I forgot about that are actually pretty much horror characters. They just have stupid names um, for the toys. But with Kelly Jones' artwork, it's like, wow, this is pretty spooky and scary. And there's even a He-Man character that's a dead guy that's trapped between the afterlife and and mortal life and that's really sad the idea of a kelly jones drawn <laughs> he-man book is definitely the most interesting he-man yeah ever sounded. and yeah, i don't bizarre. know if this has ever happened but he-man prince adam draws the sword at one point and says by the horror of gray skull and it turns him into a great big hulking green horrible monster well there goes the <laughs> uh, that's that's why roman liked it so yeah, saying he so that's cool. into a scary, great, big, hulking green monster. Yeah, but he's got blonde hair because it's Prince Adam. Were you horny um, or envious? Both. Little, yeah, a little both, which is the best way to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the second story is by Sergio Aragones, and that was Ooh. a lot of fun. And the third story is, uh, oh, wait, are there three stories? Oh, there's only two stories, actually. And they're both pretty good in the framing device. I was really surprised. It was a lot of fun. The, nice. Ar- the Aragorn story, it's it's he writes it and draws it. So it's full of all sorts of goofy humor and making fun of the whole He-Man universe and the dynamics and everything in it. And He-Man and Skeletor kind of have a little bit of a Joker Batman, like from the Lego Batman movie relationship. Hmm. Nice. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'd give it. Jeez, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'd, it's a I'd, 10, I'd, isn't it? No, not a 10. I'd, yeah. I'd get, but at least an eight, at least. Look at this Kelly Jones art. Eight Is that your final answer? Eight and a half. All right. Eight and a half. Eight and what half. About, what about the Freya jacket? Oh, that's a 10. So is that a nine? <laughs> an 8.75? Yeah, I what's, guess what's it is. I guess here, it Rome? is. Yeah. That's a nine? Yeah. The Freya jacket I, gives it a nine? I, I realized with this that the sorceress must be the reason I later on got into Freya, all because of that feathered cloak thing and the mystical powers and all that. So oh, yeah. I should make sure you never see me in my devil costume from Halloween this year because that was a feathered cloak as well. Oh, I've seen you in it. <laughs> Man, Roman is still wearing his trilby on top of his recording headphones. So I, I, that was a very predatory moment. Uh, yeah, I, I was. I was in your backyard. Oh, <laughs> creeping through the grass. Hey, well, let's jump from one Tim Seeley joint to another. Did everybody read DC Universe Landers Planet Dark Fate? Yes. Uh, I read the cover of it. Yeah, it's quite, it's, yeah <laughs> I, I, I didn't even saw start the list of creators that is 10 names long on the front. I thought for sure, Django, you'd at least read the Chris Burnham story. Yeah. Uh, I flipped through it. The art looked good. good. It was good. Um, yeah, so this one continues this series of one-shots about the freaking lazarus planet but like <laughs> everyone i read it doesn't seem like there's a story that's being told they're all just these every issue instead of being a main series it's like an anthology one shot it's got a bunch of shorts in it by different creative teams and this one is just all at 10 page ads for other series that are going to be starting um that said two of them that, that, where i thought were good yeah that's what i feel like so far with all these lazarus planet 
yeah. thick one shots are just like introducts like little peaks at new series upcoming things where is the story yeah there is the lazarus planet the the story is that the green rain is falling on everyone and that's it that's the yeah. story <laughs> uh, the first story was not great. It was a Hunter's story by Tim Seeley. I thought the cool part about this was that it showed a bunch of like lower tier Batman villains. You don't see that often. So we had Onomatopoeia from the Kevin Smith runs, and that's always fun. But the next story was the Doom Patrol one. Roman, it was gorgeous Chris Burnham art, but I'm curious what you thought of the story itself. Like, did it make you excited for this Doom Patrol run? Or Yeah, that made me. I don't know. Is Chris Burnham going to be the artist on the series i understand it yeah oh sweet i'm very excited then and i love the doom patrol i mean this was cool i didn't know who a couple like flit that's a new character as far as i know Mm -hmm. but it was a fun little adventure beautiful art introduction of chainsaw nun which made me chuckle because it's a new a new altar for crazy jane that as far as i know we haven't seen before it's just a you know based on the manga um it was a fun story i'm i'm it's interesting that they're introducing DC's introducing a new uh, Doom Patrol series just as the Doom Canceling Patrol show, show show ends. Well, yeah. canceled, but yeah. also it's it's it Four was planned seasons. to end after this season yeah. anyway. It's called so. Synergy, Roman. Synergy. But shouldn't they have done it sooner? Sorry, or, I mean, or, it's, it's called fuckery. I, I get those <laughs> confused sometimes. Unless it's this... really gorgeous, but it did. It was not. It was classically Doom Patrol. And I was like, this is a little hard to follow. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I'm curious if the new comic series is kind of be going to be like in a way Doom Patrol season five or whatever season would be. Well, next. they're doing a cool gimmick where there's a variant of like Crazy Jane looking into a mirror, and the mirror is like scratch off, and you can scratch off the covers, and it's going to be a, one of her different personalities drawn <laughs> by Burnham underneath it. That's fun. Oh wow, I like that idea. That is yeah. cool. And then the next story was oh, synergy. Eight Seconds of Still Force, and this is written and drawn by A.L. Kaplan. This was kind of the big media push behind this issue. This is the non-binary trans character that is kind of in the Flash pantheon, their first appearance that identifies as he, they. And they were really likable. I don't know how you felt, Roman, but I actually quite liked this character of Jules and their, like, fun female sidekick that's like a goth just like a golf nerd. Um, and then you get the still force in here. I actually liked the art. I don't know that I'm crazy about their costume that they get at the end, but I actually quite liked that. I think that was my favorite of the four stories in this. Oh, okay. My my favorite was the Doom Patrol story, but... Yeah, well, that art was it, real good. Yeah, this one, I have to admit, um, I mean, maybe I should reread it because I have to admit like a few pages in, I was like, yeah, I'm not a fan of the art and I don't really care about mm-hmm. any of these characters and I kind of mm-hmm. just skim the rest. Circuit um, yeah and i hate that name <laughs> yeah it's not a good name and doesn't yeah. necessarily talk much about their power set but I, I liked the dynamic that they had with their their buddy yeah but then the last story i didn't care for that either me so neither it was really just the doom patrol and Huntress story was okay yeah yeah uh so i would say you know i think one of the better of these lazarus planet one shots and i gave it a 7.5 i think i'd give it a seven nice um jeff can i tell my joke oh yeah yeah please do the lazarus planet is just bloodlines for 2023 remember the bloodlines annuals roman oh yeah and brought the world hitman yeah and nothing else but it <laughs> was like ev- everybody got new powers or well like uh, like somebody in every series got new powers um and i don't i don't think anything has stuck around since then right 
No, every Good now man. and then they bring back like one of them and kill them and something. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder yeah. how the Lazarus planet who will be the one character that actually is a success. I think this Clark Kent guy's got legs. It's <laughs> got a lot man. Of this Lazarus planet legs. cover it shows Jay Garrick and Barry Allen on the cover. They're not in the issue. What a rip. yeah! It's like that first one that had like blue Superman and there was no blue Superman in it at all. Yeah. Which well, we work in comics. Know what they're going on. That's what they do. But I feel is more insulting, more insulting than normal. It's the it's the cover and the insides working together. It's called synergy, Jeff. Oh, I love synergy. <laughs> um, Colette and, and Django, do you guys want to agree upon something? What's what's your plate look like? I read I read two comics that you read. Okay, pick one. Pick one and start it. I dropped my mic, you guys. It fell into a bowl of beads. I'm really sorry. Beans. <laughs> my life right there. Beads. Mm. Uh, it oh, fell beads. into a assortment of agate, amethyst, and mother of pearl. Mother, mother of pearl. pearl. Sweet See, mother I, of pearl. Yeah, at first, at first I thought she said it fell into a <clears throat> bowl of beans, which would have been pretty funny. Nice and clean. <laughs> That's a little shaving cream joke for everybody who knows songs from the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> well, Burma shave. I loved both of these comics. So let's talk about Danger let's, Street number let's, three. Oh, let's yeah. do it. I thought maybe we'd go, be going the crown out on jewel that one, of the but, conversation uh, with Roman here. Oh. Oh, yeah. Roman loved that cover, didn't he? I love this cover. I love this cover. comic. Cover is amazingly good. Yeah. So this this continues the story of Tom King getting screwed over on the way that uh, fake characters are used to indicate swear words. <laughs> um, and the running storyline throughout this is how horrible printers are which I identified with and really appreciated. Heavily, <laughs> yeah. I Every once in a while, I make Jared sit there while I read to him from a comic because it made me really happy. And um, he patiently listens to me uh, or looks at a page out of context. And this first page of uh, the helmet, uh, the princess well on her way in her virtuous quest decided to consult an oracle to help her blah, blah. And it's Google. And it's yeah. her just trying to Google the thing. And then it, and then she had to uh, deal with a printer and the way that that was like, I, I was laughing so hard. Mastering elements of longer. the ever unknown. <laughs> I laughed for longer than anyone really should for that. And section. then immediately after that, we go to the fourth world and Metron giving a huge preamble and dark side and uh, high father being like, dude, just tell us what you're trying to tell us. Like, stop, <laughs> stop giving us the secret origin of the two sentences that we actually want here. And I, I really appreciated that, especially how Darkseid just shuts Metron down by eventually saying, Metron, I would enjoy killing you. <laughs> and then he gets to the point. <laughs> it felt like when I'm reading the info pages in an X-Men comic. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah, and we see Metron go beyond the source wall, which is pretty awesome. And uh and I'm still confused by the by the little kids and their names are hard to read and understand. And then some sort of like meta commentary about how superheroes wear blue for the most yeah, part when she's showing mugshots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I, I thought that was pretty fun. And and even like even the perp who is the bad guy in this case is a good guy normally, right? It's just Starman. Yeah, man, this is this is a good goddamn comic and completely opaque. Mm -hmm. I love that it still feels like setup yeah. and setting up the world, even though we're getting into the story. It still feels like it's just really taking all the time 
that it wants and needs to to set up all these characters and all the world and it's not just setup of story it's like taking every moment it needs to to really make you feel comfortable and like you know these characters that you definitely don't know yeah. unless you're roman and even <laughs> this is a different version of the characters roman would know um that's not my lady cop Tell you what, I could have used a little bit more metamorpho for an issue titled Metamorpho. Yeah. Yeah, it just has his arm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I was wondering, why did they call he call this issue Metamorpho? What's the mm -hmm. big, the deeper meaning? If there is a deeper meaning. That's it's Tom King, there's a deeper meaning. Yeah. <laughs> just because um, we don't get it doesn't mean there isn't one. I feel like historically tom king not always but his issues there's kind of like a strong kind of like personality to each issue or something you know like mm -hmm. human target especially but even like strange adventures mr miracle and this one was very like uh transitional you know it, it mm -hmm. was very like even ended kind of abruptly like it was just like okay we're just kind of like following an investigation but not even like in the kind of like rorschach or human target way not a complaint at all, but I do, you know, they, I do kind of like when there's a strong personality to maybe each issue, maybe but I did really like the new gods stuff like very much. Yeah. Sorry, Colette, what? Maybe that's the metamorphosis. Oh. It, maybe it's the, it's the transitional between the, the other part of the story and the next one. I yeah. don't know. I'm reaching, but <laughs> Tran transitional or transformative. Oh, I was. One of the things that shocked, well, a little thing that shocked me is Codename Assassin is, a, as a he actually shot Manhunter in the shoulder. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know Assassin was that good of an assassin. He sure I is. I know, right? <laughs> the idea that Manhunter could get shot. I know. Question everything I know about both that Codename Assassin, assassin. and Manhunter. <laughs> I, I know. I thought Manhunter was the better one, but apparently not. Well, he didn't right. get shot dead. Well, no. There you go. He did manage to lose. And we know Manhunter, and I think Codename Assassin's going to get their comeuppance. Their, their comeuppance assassin. I just yeah. noticed it on the last page. They're they're talking about the problem with the printer, and it's that they used all the blue ink. Right. All yeah. the blue toner, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. 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 I love the debate on whether or not toner can be used for different... It, it's... Yeah. Yeah. It, it also cracks me up, too, the, the helmet of Naboo, at like the, the last panel... It's in that spooky Dr. Fate voice. Um, and it's to be continued! Exclamation right. point. <laughs> yeah. It's this so is... fun, good Tom King. It's a lower Tom King score for me. Going 8.0. I'm going Still nine. a very high score, but... I'm going 9. Yeah. Although I would really like it if they used the right number of symbols for the swear words that yeah. they're masking. It <gasps> yeah. really... Like, I'll get see... out of my symbol 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 pool is it are they in a shit pool are they in a fuck right. pool are they yeah. in a dick it's, pool i will also say <clears throat> it seemed like early on there was like a repetitive thing that tom king was doing by using swears over and over again mm -hmm. but in this issue i'm like he does it a lot more than any other writer and it's like 10 times a page sometimes i'm like tom tom is it a crutch or are you making a statement it's black label. Why is it Spencer, I know. Like I, I don't know, but he he does it so much in his books, like yeah. highly repetitive swearing. Yeah. I don't have any problem with swearing, but it's like probably like a parent hearing their kids swear all the time and like, you know, 
at some point you're just kind of limiting your vocabulary, Jeff. Try compound swears. Put, yeah, put the word guzzler on the end of these. Yeah, things. exactly. Mix it up a little bit. But I wonder oh. how much we would notice it if we could actually read the swears because, like, yeah, you read um, uh, the the love one, um, love everlasting, love everlasting yeah. And like he's swearing all the time in that, but they're because you know what it is, the sentence flows. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't come across as as much as when you're trying to suss out exactly what word is being said said so you can read the sentence the way it let's, should be read. And let's see if the comics pro guys can answer that for us when we go there, Jeff. Sure. That's 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 top of my list to deal with with the, the DC guys. <laughs> Rowan, were you gonna say something? <laughs> uh, I just wonder if it's I mean, I don't mind that it's more characters than whatever the the curse word is, because I don't know. I could, to me, that makes me feel like, oh, I could, I could make it up, do whatever like long winded swear I wanted there. But I was wondering if um if he's if he's got some kind of code in here, because I just saw one of the kids, uh, African American kid, he's climbing out of the pool and he's do does a couple swears, and one of them has the Omega symbol in it, and that's which is yeah. dark side symbol. I was like, wait, does that mean something? No, probably not. It's just Tom King, like planning in there to make people like me think it means something but it doesn't second issue had a whole bunch of like omega or alpha symbols like not normal symbols in their swears that uh instead of normal ones but i but i do wonder i mean it is black labels so couldn't they just write fuck you would fucking think so and if it was garth ennis would he stand for this (laughs) (laughs) you would penising think so (laughs) what Um, uh, what do you give it roman and colette I give it ah, <laughs> that pool scene. Sorry, I just saw the the dumb kid, um, Crunch or Crunk, whatever his name is. As they're running out of the pool, he's like, "Oh, that's why we had to jump the fence. That was adorable." He didn't <laughs> he didn't know they were doing something bad. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I give it a nine. Nine. It's a nine for me too. Nice. I really loved it. Which is nice. You gave it an nine. eight, right? Right, Jeff. Yeah, go by Jerome, but yeah. Jerome? <laughs> um, yeah, I gave it an eight. I don't, I mean, like, still very, very good. Still very, very, very good. And so I some... think that, like, in a classic Tom King fashion, by, like, issue four or five, um, uh, I'll be I'll be totally on board for all of it. But it's still, like Colette said, very, like, we're still in the beginning very much in this. And it's uh-huh. like, I don't really remember what's going on until halfway through a given issue. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of this issue. And yeah, and it's an ambitious number of characters to update you on every issue, too. Mm. Like Codename Assassin. Do you remember him, Jeff? Remember him from the olden days? I mean, he's no Manhunter, but (laughs) (laughs) I like when you see his feet lifted off in that panel, (laughs) I was like, oh, good. That classic uh, Codename Assassin flying. Yeah. I'm so the happy guy, to see that represented here. The guy always stops a bullet. If I am thinking of his powers correctly. Oh, yes. yes, you are. He will stop a bullet in the air. And that wasn't surprising at all because I knew that about Codename Assassin. Yeah. yeah. And his name, mm-hmm. Codename Assassin. The let's just remember, neither him or Manhunter, neither one is the Creeper, so. Yeah, I'm looking at Oh, he's building it up. I can't wait for like halfway through the series. All of a sudden, the creeper's just going to explode all over the place. It's going to be all creeper what? issue. I, I think the Roman was edging with the creeper, but no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make a joke about getting to have some classic warlord single pant leg, but uh, for that. <laughs> 
it would have gone over cut my head. out me talking because I'm this editing this week actually. Oh, oh. hey, look you. So we Andrew's get to okay. Town. I want to take a moment actually. Yeah, yeah. Episode three hundred. Yeah. And we do need to give credit where it's due. We want to yes. say a big thank you to Frank Miller for writing our scripted sections for this episode. Yes. And <laughs> yes. um and Jeff, I guess I was going to thank Andrew, but I guess Jeff will be the one that you can thank for slowing down all of our really best jokes and great mm. moments in this episode. So yeah. Really lingering. Really appreciate the yeah. the greatness of our good moments. Giving him the David Lynch treatment so, is what he's doing. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Hey guys, um, that's what I'm referencing. Totally, I've got a happy 300 <laughs> Judd Morse email from ever, from here for us. Hey everybody, congratulations on the big 300. This is a big milestone. Here are some highlights. I just squeaked. Did you hear that? Yeah, here that are was... some highlights from the decade <laughs> of the 300s AD. Mayan civilization enters its most prolific period. The oh. magnetic compass is invented in China. The mm. Atlas Wild Ass goes extinct in Africa. The Atlas Wild Oh, Atlas. damn. That sucks. The Kama Sutra, arguably the first and sexiest comic, comes out. Speaking of all <laughs> things 300, what are some of your favorite series that have ever made it over the big 300 issue mark? I know there are a ton of big two titles that have done so, but are there any that have flown under the radar that you especially love? Personally, I love Cerebus, which finished its run at 300. It's a mess of a comic, but when it's good, it's really damn good. Looking mm-hmm. forward to the next 300 episodes or at least like the next 30. Judd, <laughs> yes. What do you guys think about the DCU announcement and movie film lineup so far? I get to say Savage Dragon. <clears throat> oh, I get to say Spawn. <laughs> oh, good one. I don't know if you've heard about this guy, but there's this Batman guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's pretty hot. cool. I'm trying to think of non big two ones. I know I couldn't. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, just like it's, I've never read Cerebus. That, yeah, that's one that's been on my list for like 40 years to read and i still haven't read it (laughs) roman it is made like the first five phone books are made for you it's it's really really good at the beginning and gets really really uncomfortable by the end yeah and that's what i've always heard and all over all the decades i've seen those phone books on our shelves and various locations (laughs) and thought i need to read those you would you would love it it's all it's all like it starts as just a Conan riff and it turns into like an uh, late 80s comic book riff with like mm-hmm. Keith Richards is Sandman. Uh, like it's it's completely bonkers. That's in the top three Django looking at me a hundred times over going, oh, you haven't read that. You need to read that. Yeah, it's, it's a good one, man. Yeah. I, you know, the the over number 300 i think the only like quote unquote single creators that have done that are those three for the independent mm-hmm. books yeah um what is uh what is knights of the dinner table at that's got to be getting pretty close Ooh, to 300 at this i bet point. it's above it mm-hmm. i bet it's above it archie yeah. archie has gone above that many 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 times yeah oh my god x-men why didn't that come to my my mind first <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that. Sorry, i'm just i've been drinking you guys i don't know if you know this <laughs> You're holding it better than you think you are. Oh, good, because I, yeah. yeah. I am, I am, I am a bit sloshed. You all, I love you. Um, sorry. Well, hey, um, let's piggyback that Judd Morris email with a voicemail from our one and only editor extraordinaire, Andrew Carlson. But, but, sorry, Roman. Do we want to do we want to address oh, the, the other DC part of this stuff. question? Sorry, about yeah, the, yeah, I forgot about that. Was it DC or Marvel? Cinematic? I think it was the DCU announcements that have come up. 
Listen, I have no idea how good they can make a Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow movie, but the fact that they got everybody to actually read that comic mm-hmm. is great in my book. So they're winning with me right now. Mm. <laughs> Most of it sounds interesting to me. There's, there, I can't quite make the connection out loud properly, but there's a scene in the new Guardians of the Galaxy 3 trailer where Rocket Raccoon is talking about the guy who experimented on him and turned him into Rocket Raccoon. And he's like, he didn't want to make things better. He just didn't like the way they were. That paired with the DC announcements, there's something there. And I I hope that uh, James Gunn isn't creating a Rocket Raccoon in the DC FU film universe. Can we quickly like run through what, I mean, what, what were the announcements? I'm not even sure if I know them all. Gosh, uh, the ones a, that stand uh, out to me is that there's a Batman and Son movie being made uh, mm-hmm. with Damien. Uh, there's okay. the Supergirl movie made based on the Tom King run. Yeah, um, Those are the two most exciting ones to me. My feelings about them as a whole, uh, Judd, are, are just sort of like I'm excited at the prospect of them, but also the idea of making movies of these very, very beloved runs makes me feel like okay like you're probably gonna disappoint me you know like i liked this most recent batman Mm -hmm. movie quite a bit because my expectations were pretty low and it wasn't strictly based on anything and it exceeded those but when you're like hey jeff do you like grant morrison's batman run i'm gonna make a movie i'm gonna be like okay no 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 no. probably not gonna capture what i love he didn't say that he said he's making a Batman and Robin inspired by it, right? So he's right. not mm-hmm. he's not transliterating it. Right. There's Superman Legacy, which is supposed to be kind of like All-Star Superman. Yeah. Based on tweets of him reading that. There's uh The Authority, The Brave and the Bold, uh Swamp Thing, Creature Commandos Cartoon, mm-hmm. um, an Amanda Waller TV show that's like part of the the Peacemaker thing. There's a Booster Gold. There's lanterns, which is uh, like Green Lanterns. Um, what, it's like a true detective. Uh, true detective in space. Yeah. And then Paradise Lost, which is Game of Thrones style Themyscira style. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all sounds interesting enough. And mm-hmm. like, I, I'm still not going to wear a bat suit to opening night until they impress me, but I'll go opening night. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to beat that joke into the goddamn ground until they make me wear a bat suit to an opening night. <laughs> I have a cape. Jenna's I got, got a whole body thing. Yeah, I've got two cowls. I've got a utility belt. I've got. Um, There's no I, way I, I remember can fit Jared's bat suit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be rattling around in one direction and and have a midget showing in, in the, the other direction. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the um, the second Tim Burton Batman movie. My ex fiance and I went to the theater. I didn't wear a bat suit, but I had on a bat t-shirt and bat earrings and she wore the Catwoman mask and nice. and i think a bat shirt because we didn't have a Catwoman shirt mm-hmm. but yeah that's the closest i got to dressing up for a for a movie Aww. back in the days when you had to wait in line so it kind of made yeah. sense yeah to we be were in, in line costumes yeah. because everybody was together i remember back when you used to actually go and see a movie because the trailer for something really amazing was going to be aired at that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just watch everything <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah. God, I miss I... the desert. I miss <laughs> the sea. God, it reminds me of the very, I still remember the very first time I saw a trailer for, I think Tim Burton's Batman and the trailer just, 
I forget the sequence of events, but the what the when the scene when the Batmobile is firing its machine guns at the garage door, or whatever, and just makes a bat Batmobile size hole that the door falls down and that bursts through the door. And I, was, I still remember, I was like, oh yeah, I was in the Linwood Theater and in, in uh, on Bainbridge Island. <laughs> okay, well now now let's segue to uh, the Andrew Carlson voicemail, our wonderful oh. intrepid. <clears throat> I was just clearing my throat. I'm sorry. Uh, Andrew, can you edit that out? I will. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Sorry, buddy. Assistant editor. Uh, (laughs) Don't edit that out. So, you know, I sent in a question, but listening and editing to the editing, the podcast episode 302, um, kind of, this is, you know, weird time travel. We're sending in a voicemail for 300 after listening to 302. Gotta love it. Anyways. Um, John Jennings. So I'm, I had no idea. Um, I mean, I didn't get a chance to come into the shop this week, so I didn't see anything other than the title of Silver Surfer Ghostlight. But John Jennings is awesome. He is a professor. Um, man, I can't remember. Uh, he's a professor um, at the University of California at Riverside, um, media and cultural studies specifically, but he is a big activist uh, for just black rights, uh, Afrofuturism, African American futurism. It's uh, he wrote a lot of the back matter in Bitterroot. He was actually the person who curated the back matter, um, which for those that have talked to me, the back back matter of Bitterroot is easily my favorite part. It's absolutely incredible. Like all of the write ups are just amazing and actually stacy robinson also has a write-up in one of the bitterroot uh backups um so that's just super cool that they uh are actually like writing a comic now um that's not just prose about uh black history in the u.s um so yeah it's just super cool to to hear that and you guys are gonna have to keep us all updated on the series as a whole so thanks for bringing to light some new creators that we may not know uh anything about just yet well you know something about it uh (laughs) last week we talked about silver surfer ghost light oh okay um and yeah like i think we our thought was that it was much better than we thought it was going to be um yeah and i was and i was excited for bringing back that that old buddy of the surfers that got killed in silver surfer number five and and now Andrew's saying that and the background of that writer's like oh that's why he picked that character okay this is gonna be even more interesting yeah, so that was awesome. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. And I'll I'll find the email that you wrote that was, as well. That was an email about Afrofuturism and couched in the the comics place presents futurism because that was from episode three oh two. I can't find Whoa. the email from Andrew about a written Whoa. Email. Sorry, Andrew. Yeah, Roman. What do you think of that? <laughs> Did that make your hat grow big enough to fit over your headphones? <laughs> Roman just did a sight gag where he, he made his hat float above his head and he, he jiggled it around and it was very cute for all of you listening to this yeah. podcast that is not <laughs> that, that, see that's what I hope after I'm gone that's what I hope I remembered for is sight gags in audio media well just what my, my computer also has video files of all of these podcasts that we've done oh no <laughs> they are all exported onto my computer at the end of the session so roman you will live eternally and if you do ever pass which i don't think is likely because you're 
in three years going to be tied for the youngest one of us. My my uh, whole life goal is to end up <laughs> end up on a source wall, you know, you know, crucified on the source wall. That you just shot, want to be shot tied of the up. Cruise wall, uh, source wall is so awesome and dangerous. <laughs> Roman, why? Who are all those? Like, what are all the people crucified on the source wall? What is that? They're all usually they're just unknown old gods. That, okay, it's been I think a very rare story that's actually named any of them. And they're like defending it, or are they just net dead bodies nailed on it, or they're, what is it? Well, they form the wall. I mean, I guess if I remember some story, the source wall was just this undefined energy barrier, and then gods started being or warriors started being stuck on the wall and, and kind of reinforcing it into an actual solid wall. Interesting. And that's got a that great Kirby visual with yeah. the, the 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 source energy like flowing out through their mouths. Oh, so fucking good. eyes. Hey guys, I'm gonna be really selfish now and talk about my other like favorite book of the week. Hulk. No, Roman, he's not you. <laughs> I keep telling you this. Oh. You and Jeff are different. I'm trying to be that. Uh, I, I want to talk. About and then I realized that I was muted. Nemesis Reloaded. <laughs> Uh, this is issue number two of this Nemesis reboot series by Mark Miller. This has art by Jorge Jimenez, not Steve McNiven, who did the original one. Nemesis. And this one picks up where the first issue ended, where he's put bounties on all cop heads. So people are killing cops. Um, he breaks in <laughs> and steals all of the jewels from this valuable place um, and replaces this expensive necklace with just a ring of shit around the mannequin. The mannequin. I thought that was pretty funny, believe it or not. I bet you did. Uh, and then we get like a 10 page origin for the character and not the whole origin, but a good chunk of it. And we had not gotten that before. And I still don't like this as much as the original one, but I do like it a lot. It's one of my favorite Mark Miller properties. It, I don't know why I like it, but it just is so comfortably highly offensive to me like it <laughs> it like it's doing it in a way that just feels safe and i like things that are like that's inappropriate um yeah yeah uh so i i don't know jang are you reading this yeah i read it and it, it it actually made me start thinking about so it it got a lot of shit on the internet for being like having a bunch of cops getting killed Go for it. Kind of gleefully, right? Yeah. But there's no way that you can think that this guy is a good guy. Yeah, never. And yeah. it just made me start thinking about this. Like, I think that we're in a time where if a story is about something uncomfortable, it gets taken as being pro that uncomfortable thing. Mm. And this is not pro killing cops it's a definitively bad guy doing that and asking people to do that and he might be the protagonist of the story but there's no illusions that he's the good guy or trying to do something for the greater good he replaced valuable jewels with shit like that's not somebody that that you would want to now you're following the story of a horrible horrible <clears throat> villain that's a murderer and has been his entire life yeah and, yeah I mean, and yeah, if you're and if bothered you... by it maybe you shouldn't <laughs> secretly like it so much yeah but right? also like if you're looking for your responses on the internet there is always going to be a large contingency of people on the internet that have a problem with something so like... well yeah but but like like it or not the internet is the world at this point and, it is but it's there's... it's also not representative act like 
of the amount of people that are upset about something. So to say yeah. a lot of people on the internet no. said thing is still <clears throat> a microcosm of the people in the world or a microcosm of the people who are reading this comic. It's just yeah. the people who can scream the loudest on the internet. So how Absolutely. many people are saying that? I don't know. But like, I didn't encounter that at all in, in my comings and goings. I'm not surprised at all about it. Like, that's why yeah. I even say like a guilty pleasure. Like, I don't know why I love it so much, but like it to me is so comfortably a villain. It's not like... Yeah. It's not like, oh, we're mad that Captain America didn't punch a Nazi or something. It's Changed like, you know, sides. like moral ambiguity or something. It's like, no, here's a very, very bad guy in the experimentation. This is essentially like crossed to me with like superheroes. Yeah. It's like, let's write the most fucked up thing that we can. Uh, and I like how far it, it goes further into that than most comics. Yeah, so I love that. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, I love it, Django. I love it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying about people that will never underestimate people's ability to have an opinion about something that they haven't actually experienced and have just heard that there is a thing from um and you know like i haven't gotten to read this yet i'm excited to um but there's also that like okay everyone doesn't get punisher and just decides that he like they don't get the message of what it's supposed to be trying to say don't do or whatnot so let's mm-hmm. take someone who and make them so much so that you can't have anyone i mean obviously someone will co-opt everything that they can but yeah. i like those stories that are just so purely like no you can't figure out a way There's, to morally make this you can't pretend that anyone's on this guy's yeah. side except for I, Django. he likes pooping on things i <laughs> i don't know if i like the origin story jeff it's a little rote like it's a little uh it's a little by the numbers i want this to just be batman but not good yeah. inside yeah like it's a so to have him kind of kidnapped and and not turned into an unwitting assassin but but being trained, being trained in a shitty way rather than a than the way that Batman did it. Like Batman is driven, and I like the I liked the idea that Nemesis was similar. Yeah. Um, but we're only, we only have like half the origin story, so and and I totally I totally agree that. with that. It's got that Wolverine thing of like I don't need to know, I don't know, yeah. just let me, yeah. just give me a yeah. gorgeously drawn book with a horrible horrible person in one of my favorite costumes of all time experimenting with how horrible you're allowed to be in a comic like don't I, cut I people it. off at the knee cut them off at the shins yeah <laughs> or the it's butthole. so much worse um i give it a 9.5 that's where i'm writing that oh jeff yeah. you're a comic book lover this week i have like, yeah my, i have three in the nines today yeah i give it an eight yeah i liked it a lot anybody got anything else i i didn't read that many comics if colette and Django want to talk about parker girls for a second i would share a little bit of spotlight with colette after that yeah i will happily talk about i i am as we know late to the terry moore train so i will take any moment to be able to go hey you should be reading this this terry moore guy he's fucking awesome good pictures we're all between 20 and 25 years late to the terry moore game except (laughs) roman right like I still been doing it for a long time. And and our wonderful Dan Suslo, the Sussinator, who came yep. in today. Who I, I did uh... start reading Strangers in Paradise three years before I started working at the comic shop, which is still oh. late in oh, the wow. Terry Moore universe, but yeah. is way earlier in my reading than me. And the rest of us idiots. Do. Mm-hmm. No, just like I, I read that before I read Grant Morrison stuff. Yeah. I think well, what I he did is... Guy, and Ingmar Fresque got me to do it. Oh, oh nice. Nice. 
What I think is impressive about this issue is that it's just a straight up procedural detective. Like it's like that episode of the wire where they're almost silently solving the crime and just saying, fuck every time or motherfucker, every time they figure out like the bullet trajectory or Mm -hmm. where, where a body fell, this is just like very methodical. How did this person die? Here are the constraints in this locked room situation. Let's go through it and figure out like every possible iteration and cast things out and then make some logical assumptions and find the bent pole that probably dealt the killing stroke. Like it was really, really well done from that perspective. And then has a, has a pretty good cliffhanger that they set up and executed in like five pages, which I thought was really good. And for like, I mean, I'm five issues into my cherry Terry Moore journey here, but mm-hmm. uh, I can already like, oh, some of the faces kind of look similar. For someone who like yeah. <laughs> times may, maybe have a little trouble telling the faces apart, all these panels that are the two Parker girls envisioning what happened where they're set in the panel uh, that's yeah. showing you the story of the murder and how it happened, it's so crystal clear and so well framed each yeah. each and every panel of how this woman was murdered and what went on with with them in it as they're watching it like they like it happened in front of them it's so well done and he figured out how to do a monochromatic flashback scene in a black and white comic mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. like using white characters like uncolored characters and then having all the flashback be be gray i haven't really seen that before in a black and white comic he's a he's one of the greatest living cartoonists i think he's a mm-hmm. he's a fucking beast absolutely and I'm gonna give it a nine and a half which yeah it's fuck fuck you terry moore yeah Stop being so well keep being so good hmm. i'm gonna give it a 10 this is is masterful storytelling in this one little because it's not even the like like we get to know what the murder was within this story but in a lot of ways it's a transitional issue still too Mm -hmm. within the story and it's just this is just masterful storytelling and you haven't even seen him do snow yet have you (laughs) no i haven't i've seen beaches so many beaches Dude, you got to read yeah, a wintertime story from him. You guys, I got to take a vacation <laughs> so I can read the Strangers of Paradise omnibus that I brought home. And Rachel Omnid- Rising. Omnibus. I had Jared bring me up the bottle snow. of scotch, which was a nice. bad idea. Um. Okay. I am going to spend a minute with Colette talking about a corner of comic books. Um. And <gasps> we're going to spend not too much time on each one, but... Um, but this week we saw X Men number nineteen, Wolverine number thirty, and Nightcrawlers number one. Um, Dude, Wolverine... Jeff, I think I want to be reading X Men again. I know it's crazy. They, <laughs> I know, I know. They really, when Hickman left, it went through a period of being pretty dull. Um, but between like what Duggan's been doing in the main X Men series lately, with like the Loras, I love that, and the team, that's great. And then Kieran Gillen's Sins of Sinister stuff is fantastic. So I'll briefly go just describe Wolverine for people not reading the series. Uh, like Beast is like full on bad guy now. It seems like he like has been brainwashing Wolverine. He like killed Wolverine and revived him in a non complete state. So he was going out and murdering people for him. 
Um, and then he goes and tries to murder the Jeff dude that we've met in this. That's kind of like the dude that's been in the uh, Ben Percy Wolverine run this whole time. Uh, he shoots him and then Wolverine runs out and spoilers kills beast. And <gasps> yeah. And then, and then on Krakoa and Beast's secret headquarters, he had cloned himself and this clone like wakes up and he's like, I knew the time would come. Now it is here and everything is about to change. So he's just like full on bad guy, which is crazy. Colette and I were talking. We don't necessarily both love that, but that is happening. X-Men 19 is seeing some more of the Laura stuff going on, but particularly this issue is the first issue in this arc dealing with Cyclops' dad fighting a brood invasion. What I would say about this is that it, I like brood oftentimes make me just kind of glaze over in my eyes. And this is they're xenomorphs, but not as interesting. Yeah, yeah. Parasite things, but they're doing a good job with it in this issue. And then Nightcrawlers number one came out, which had an awesome conceit. It's in that sense of sinister thing. It's 10 years into that reality. And Sinister has created a whole team of chimeras that have the Nightcrawler DNA. Um, so they're like, you know, you get like a Wolverine Nightcrawler and all these different ones because that's like a powerful skill to have to kill people. Um, but I would say that that one had a cool conceit, but like I was very excited to be not reading it anymore when I was reading it. Those are my take on those three. <laughs> Colette, what did you think about the X-Men corner this week? Um, I didn't read Wolverine, but mm-hmm. I did read X-Men 19 and I did read Nightcrawlers. Um, I haven't read the Sinister uh, setup yet. Um. So reading these two, I'm like, okay, everything's separate. I'm just going to read them as their own. Um, X-Men 19, I'm like, oh, I guess I I dropped off. I think I got really burned out just on the whole formula. I get really tired of the info pages Mm -hmm. needing to be in everything. Yeah. Because they don't need to. And everyone's, yeah. Some people Um, use them well. Other people use them to like fill this gimmick. And it's just like, holy shit. If I wanted to read a page in a grown-up book, I'd read a page of a grown-up book. Yeah. Like the one in the Nightcrawler. I'm like, okay, I'm enjoying this comic. I don't know that this information is going to be necessary or not. And it, you guys, you're skilled enough storytellers. You could have told that whole page of a um, of a textbook in two, maybe three panels. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need that. But anyway, um, X-Men 19. I, I, I mean, I love Laura. I love her yeah. so much. And this was Brood is hit and miss with me. Sometimes they do great stuff with it. Yeah. Sometimes it's really dull. Um, but they used it more of an as a opportunity to show uh talent, which is gonna take me a little mm, bit to get I used know. to. Um uh and sync and they're just like really smooth working together after I centuries in the vault. It was so good watching them operate on um Cyclops's dad and get this brood baby out of him and all that. This was really this was a great issue other than when for some fucked up reason the man Gary Duggan decides to address uh people's criticisms of X-Men being called X-Men and oh, it yeah. needs to be changed by having uh fire it's Firestar got yeah. you guys I'm kind of drunk um ask Iceman you have the new female asking the longtime male how he feels about the name X-Men and is it sexist? And he gives his 
reason he says just I tell everybody ask Jean how she feels about I was just like yeah this was really like, good until gay, this moment maybe or like that's the I, don't, I don't know like, I think just, it was yeah. just lazy yeah. like yeah. Oh, I guess I need to address this I'll have the new person ask about it but it yeah. didn't think enough to think hmm maybe I shouldn't have the new female asking is this witty the- banter or is this just like uh, it was weird yeah it was it was poorly done um Gary Jerry damn this is pretty good and then Nightcrawlers was like all right you know great cover great it's a great cover and a great conceit and it's a great concept um I this one made me I read this one first and this one made me feel more the fact that I haven't been reading X-Men stuff and they're like I don't know who this pink lady is and there's a whole bunch of like dun 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 moments that I don't get because I got tired and dropped off about a year ago um but it was it was fun and um and I'm gonna start reading X-Men shit again you guys which is fun because I love them (laughs) yeah okay you had your hand up I got two questions for you. The okay, first well, let's one... get our scores. Let's get our oh, yeah, scores yeah. and then do that. Uh, for me, Wolverine was an 8.0, Nightcrawlers was a 7.5, and X-Men was an 8.5. Um, I will do X-Men as an 8 and uh, 8.5. And Nightcrawlers was a... God, I love Spurrier, so I want to give him higher, but yeah. I'm going to give it a 7. Oh, Jenny, seven, and a half. 7 and a half. Let's yeah, there we are. How long was Laura in the vault? They were in there for like hundreds of years, right? Yeah, like okay. 900 years or something like that. Okay. So, I don't know when she got out comparatively to sync, but he got out after like 900 years. Or something. Yeah, so like he was just found in stasis after that. Hundreds of years of hanging out in there. There's no way that language didn't change a little bit mm. in 900 years. Are we sure that she's not pronouncing her name Toan or... No, we're not. Talon or that, anything that like that. was a really, really funny joke. That, that um, was a good. That was a good. No, she's saying Talon just like Claudia Black does in um, Farscape, because that's the only way I can hear that <laughs> word ever again yeah. in the rest of my life. And um, also, there's a little bit of room for us to be maybe concerned that it's not her, and maybe is like a child of the vault man, man, ooh, machination or something. Mm. We don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. Like it's that. not necessarily saying that, but I'm getting a little nervous about it because I'm so excited that she's back. So. Also, just Good thinking about Nightcrawler, how cool would this power be? Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. You've got the Nightcrawler power, Bamping. and you bamf from place to place, right? But you get an unlimited amount of time in between disappearing and reappearing. Ooh. But you can't reappear. Like you, you, you can stay away for any amount of time, but when you reappear, it's in exactly the same time. So it's it's as if you've bamfed, but you could beat somebody up until you're super tired, and then bamf, ch- take a chill pill, and then come back refreshed. Huh. Maybe read about the enemy, but you like you're you you don't have information from the future because you're just your your but time you could, is like, stopped. Bamf for a nap. Yeah, totally. I want to bamf a nap, totally. and that is one of the oldest things too. I've ever said in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want yeah. a superpower power where I can take a nap. <laughs> oh, me too. I I got to do that today because Colette's awesome. Um, all right, everybody. Well, I'm sure there's other things that we read, but we've covered actually a huge amount of books at this point. I think we're up to like ten or so. So I think that we can probably pack it in. This is a good 300th episode. Roman's birthday was last week. Roman, happy belated. Happy oh, birthday. Thank you. You deserve it. 36 years old. You've been doing this for a tenth of your life. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thirty years. Thirty-six. I got. I got it. There's a. There's a portrait in the attic that's looking pretty bad. Oh, that's a that's a joke about that portrait of Dorian Gray. Yeah, it is. Oh God, you're so <laughs> depict sheriff depict door sheriff? Oh. Ian. No, calico. Oh, sorry, guys. Monopoly. I'm trying to give you a little Thistle. bit of angu- the anguish languish. Oh, <laughs> I think we're just saying words. Okay. Kinda. Well, radar softer law Stark. Thanks for hanging out with 300 episodes. We've had a lot of fun doing it over the years. Six years of a bunch of buddies doing this and rotating variations. Um, But it's been a lot of fun and it's sure given us an excuse to get to hang out with each other a lot, which is uh, as you get older, one of the most important things you can do. So 300 episodes in guys, I love you. Thanks for doing this with us every week. Uh, Listeners, we love you guys. Thanks for listening to us every week. Thanks to the people who write in emails. You can do that at jeff at thecomicsplace.com. Let's let's add some flowers to that bouquet, eh? Let's get get some exotic flowers we've never seen before in there. Uh, We love them. And uh, yeah, just real, real grateful. If you'd have them come into the shop, come into the shop, see us. We love it. Um, The shop's even better than the the podcast, if you can believe it. We had our buddy Dan come in a little while ago and say he listens to the podcast, but I haven't seen an email from him, and I'd love to see an email from him. Oh, Daniel Maloney, let's get an email from you, my yeah. friend. Um, yeah. Any any sign James off? James Burke, where everybody? are your emails? Yeah, where are your emails? James? Come on, <laughs> Phil Satile. Yeah. Phil yeah. Satile. Give us um, give us your brain in writing, please. I've got a fun idea, uh, Claude. I know you're drunk. What do you <gasps> want to say to the people before we get out of here? Oh man, I. <laughs> Let's see if she cries. <laughs> I mean, okay, so yesterday I got to go with the most amazing woman and help her pick out her wedding dress, and I seriously just, like, started sobbing. I just adore these three people with all of my heart, and knowing the people that listen to this podcast, I like I, the fact that so many wonderful people that I am lucky enough to get to uh, engage with on a weekly basis for my job want to actually listen to me ramble about things that I like to other people that I adore. It's, it's pretty incredible to have this opportunity. And I'm so grateful to the three of you and everyone who listens that we get to have this thing that we have to do every week. Yeah. Because we're all people that would drop things that make us really happy Mm-hmm. for all the things that we feel like we need to do and so have something that we have to do all the time that we love to do and that we love sharing with all these people is a wonderful wonderful gift and i'm so lucky to get to be able to join in as often as i can and i i just love you all and i'm so grateful for that and thank you to everybody who listens for keeping us finding a time to get to do the thing that brought us all together in the first place. Uh, we just adore you and thank you. And truly spoken like the person with the biggest balls in the room in any, that was, that was, in any room she's ever in. Let's see what Roman does. Followed up. Roman, follow that up. Coward. Uh, Ditto. I'm wearing a trilby. Ditto. <laughs> Ditto, palsies. Look, look at my hat. 
<laughs> Colette, that was that was really nice. It was it was two parts celebration and one part eulogy. And I feel like we should just clarify that the eulogy was just happenstance. It's, we're still doing this. Oh, is this the final episode? Did I no, say was, did no, I no, say no. it in a past? I'm sorry. I'm no Django's I'm just so tired. I've been so depressed the last like month. Django's just always worried that like I'm one so day he's gonna get a phone right call from me and I'm like, hey man, I'm in the Poconos. I just decided I'm in the Poconos. That's maybe this thing. is just the me that's about to be alone. Well, I mean, we have an incredible team that I get to be with, but the fact that Django and Jeff are leaving for a week, and I'm just true. Have just spent the last two weeks trying to learn everything that I. You'll be fine. You're going to be great. My world. Everyone um, who listens, be generous at the store for the next week. Django and Jeff are going to be gone. Not that they need us because they handle it without us all the time. Um, but that does beg the mention that next week. Will probably not be a normal podcast. I bet Django and I will try and smuggle microphones or something to Comics Pro like we do every year. Yeah, uh, make some fart no, jokes Roman for you. and I are just going to take over. Yeah. Gonna yeah. Oh, yeah. Nope, that's I mean, not happening. I don't I even know how that. to record a. We'll call in. Call. Oh, yeah. We'll call in. Um, but <laughs> Andrew knows so how to do it. <laughs> we'll see everybody in some capacity next week. We'll miss everyone while we're gone. Uh, but truly, thanks everyone for listening. 300 episodes. That's pretty cool. Uh, join us next week for episode 304. Something or seven or whatever, <laughs> four hundred. I let's feel just, a little bit like let's Kang just jump right to four hundred. Yeah, it's episode. We're still doing this. You yeah, guys. yeah. New season. Can you believe we're still here? <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thanks. look at our new haircuts, and we'll see. Six yeah, years. check out this trilby. Uh, we'll see you all next week. <laughs> Bye.